0: Amen. I want us to turn in the Word today. Uh, Shelbo's going to have it on the screen for you. The, the faith chapter, as many of you have heard it referred to. Book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I'm going to be reading today from the King James Version. I know I use a lot of other translations a lot, uh, but uh, I just felt like this one, I wanted to use the King James today. Hebrews, chapter 11 going to read verse 1, and then we're going to jump down and read verses 17 through 40. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you can almost quote it with me, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Drop down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and he gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season." Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We talked about that already. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection." And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. In other words, they were cut in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, Having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Why? Because God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. I want to preach to you today for a few moments a message God has given me just simply titled, By Faith. If you will, pray with me and for me today. Father, I thank you for your presence and your anointing we've already felt here today. Lord, we could all leave here today or turn off the screen saying, Lord, that it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. But God, I know right now that you have a word, Lord, for those that are listening today. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would remove every hindrance, Lord, that would come against, Lord, them hearing your word. Anoint their ears to hear. Anoint their heart to receive. God, let me not speak any of my words today, but take me aside. Decrease me till I'm nothing, that your spirit be increased within me. And let me speak your words today, God. Lord, not with men's wisdom but let them come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit we give you the glory the honor and the praise today in advance in jesus name we pray amen and amen. If you haven't already, I want to ask you today to share this stream, and let's encourage somebody else with the Word of the Lord today. Also, I want to ask you, I meant to do this before I got into the Scripture. Please pray for Sister Linda Bradford. I know she's watching this morning, but her sister went home to be with the Lord this morning, so please pray for her and her family. Remember them when you pray. Uh, Probably the most commonly used scripture on faith is found in Hebrews 11 and 1. But I want to read it to you this morning from another translation out of the New Living Translation, or as I like to call it, the Billy Graham Approved Translation. Uh, Here's the way it says it, and I love the way it says it uh, in this version. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things that we cannot see. My question this morning is this. Where is your faith? What do you put your faith in? What do you believe will actually happen without the proof that it will happen? What are you believing right now will happen that you don't even have proof for yet? Everyone puts their faith in something. Uh, Maybe driving safely to your destination, expecting things to work, um, like the water will run and the lights will come on. There is a major difference between having faith in these things and having faith as the Bible speaks about faith. The difference is that we have faith in these things only because we have control over them. We have a confidence because I have control in driving my vehicle that if I do my part outside of somebody else doing something crazy, then I'm going to arrive at my destination safely. I have faith in that because I have control. I have faith because I have control in paying my utility bills. So I believe that things will work. And I have control that when I flip the switch, the lights will come on or when I turn the faucet the water will flow. Because we are in 100% control of the situation, it's easy to have 100% confidence. But that is not faith at all. Believing that something will work because you're in control of it is not faith. True faith requires us to relinquish all control and to jump head first into the unknown. Faith is about believing um that something will happen even when you have absolutely no control over that situation. Last Sunday morning when we prayed, God knows I have no control over what's going to happen when Ray White, or what was going to happen when Ray White went for his scan. But in that moment, I felt and experienced supernatural faith. And I ask you to join me in faith and pray. Faith is about believing that something will happen even when you have absolutely no control over the situation. And that is where we miserably fail sometimes in our spiritual faith. We say that we have faith in God. We say that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, that He never runs out of provision, uh, that He'll never leave us or forsake us. Yet the actions that we continue to live our lives by prove that we have little to no faith in God. Our actions do not back up our talk. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the church sticks with things that we can control. Think about it. The budget. We know that we can reach this amount, so let's stick with that amount. Uh, Giving. We give exactly uh, what we know we can afford to give. But we refuse, it'd be real quiet if the building was full, but it's going to be even real quiet with you at home today. But we refuse to step out in faith and give beyond that because that would require faith and relinquishing control of our finances. Uh, We have uh, faith in programs. We stick to things that we can control like programs. We know that These certain programs work, so let's stick with what we can control and what we know works. Uh, Same thing about people. We stick with who we know. We stick with who we feel comfortable about. And we feel uncomfortable about branching out. I know these people and they're my friends and I'm comfortable with them. So for me to introduce myself to somebody new and to branch out and to make new friends means I have no control. And therefore, I just don't risk it. When it comes to witnessing, we stick to things we can control. Sharing our faith with others is out of our control. So we just don't do it sometimes. We're afraid that We won't know what to say. We don't know how they will react. We have no control over the outcome. And it takes faith that is outside of our control to witness to others because we don't know how it's going to come out. So we do it because we have confidence in God and that we don't have control over the situation because we're completely unsure about what the outcome of the conversation will be. So most of the time, we just don't do it. Discipleship. We stick to things that we can control. We fear discipleship. A lot of people shudder from the word small groups because, number one, they don't want to meet new people, which I just mentioned. And number two, we may learn something about ourselves that we don't want to change. God may reveal a truth about us that we refuse to confront because we would have to repent and we'd have to seek forgiveness for our sins. And then... Thirdly, people would quickly learn that you're not perfect. And all of your hard work of putting on a facade every Sunday, or maybe even every day, would be for naught. And when we relinquish control to God, and we let Him reveal truth in us, about us, then we feel threatened and fearful and uncomfortable, because it takes faith, to let Him work. It takes us relinquishing our control of our lives by trying to become what we want to become instead of allowing God to turn us in to the person He wants us to be. What about worship? We like a controlled environment, don't we? Now, I know we have all kinds of denominations watching us today, and we welcome you. But let's just be real about it. We don't like the unknown, most of us, in our worship services, do we? We don't like the unknown. Some people don't like to see people get lost in the presence of God because it's unknown. It's uncomfortable. It might not be exactly what we're used to. It's out of our control and it's out of our comfort zone because we like what we can control and we like to stick with it the way it's always been done. What about ministry? We're afraid to serve because we're scared of the unknown. We don't know what we're doing. We fear making a commitment. We're afraid we won't like where we're serving. And it requires us to take a leap of faith and, and trust that it will all work out. So we help people. We decided to go about it this way. We help people with the things that we can control. With the things that don't take much time and don't require us to step out of what makes us feel comfortable. And again... I think to begin relinquishing your time, not just your money, but your time to God, is something that we really struggle with. Because to give God time means that we have less time for what pleases our flesh. But when we became believers, our hearts changed. Our minds changed. We become a child of God, and so now our attitude must become, it's not about what I want. Hello. And how I want it. Because that's the sin inside of me speaking. But it's now about what God wants from me. I give him my time, my talent, and my treasure because it pleases him. I serve because it pleases Him. Listen, don't allow people to keep you out of church attendance. Don't go to church because of people. Go to church because it pleases Him. Say amen out there somebody on the stream. You see, we serve because it pleases Him and we step out in complete faith because it pleases Him and because our want to has changed and therefore we want to do it. See, that's what faith does. Faith is a gift given by God through the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to live for Him in this sinful world. Those who are full of sin and who live life for themselves have no faith. Only those who know Christ have true faith. And when we are given true faith, the gift of faith, then we can become more than conquerors, which is what the Bible said. We no longer fear the world and what the world can do to us. Instead, we put our complete hope, Our complete faith and our complete trust in God. And faith in God gives us the confidence to overcome our struggles of the world. And the world will look at us as weird and peculiar. And they already do. Because they don't understand why we can stand so firm in the midst of such pain and suffering all around us. I've had so many people say, people unaffiliated with the church. How's the church doing? during this pandemic time they fully expect when people are asking me that 99.9% of the time they fully expect that the church giving has gone down participation has gone down people's uh, devotion i guess you might say or commitment has gone down and so when i tell them wow it's actually been amazing what god is doing is amazing and i want to tell you something if being separated the way we are right now i've said it once i'm going to say it again caused a church to grow weaker instead of stronger. I would question the foundation on which that church is built. Because when you're built on the foundation of the word of God. And not a personality. Not a program. Not a Production. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'll get out of my notes right here. Uh, where, whereby we've decided in the church world, oh, if we can have a big production, that'll draw people. If we can have a great big personality, that'll draw people. If we can have some kind of big draw, I'll tell you what the draw is. The draw is the Spirit of the Lord having complete control and authentic, authenticity of the Spirit in the worship service. You won't have to... You You. won't have to beg them. You won't have to bribe them. You won't have to do productions. You won't have to have some kind of, some way you can give them something to draw them in. The Holy Spirit will draw them in. That's why Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. The church should be growing stronger. We can stand firm in faith in this world that we live in, because we as believers are only temporary residents. See, this world is not our home. Two more passages of Scripture, and this is the only other Scripture I'm going to give you today, but let's look very quickly. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Paul says, Dear friends, and this is the New Living Translation. Dear friends, I warn you as, think about this, temporary residents and foreigners. There's There's quotation marks around that. Do you see that? I warn you as, Paul's even quoting his own quote. You are... Temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Again, the New Living says, But we are citizens of heaven, not this earth where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. See, this world is no longer our home. Our home is in heaven, but our mission while we are alive is on this earth. And while we're on this earth, we're to live faithfully and obediently to the commands of God. We're not to let ourselves get caught up in the sins of the world. When the sins of the world enter the church, then the church becomes petty, it becomes shallow, it becomes faithless, it becomes jealous, it becomes hard-hearted, it becomes lazy, and it becomes unwilling to move. But when God's people truly live for Him, then they're attitude is the complete opposite of all of that instead they delight in him your pastor is going to preach something to you this morning don't let yourself get caught up in all of the debates of the world right now did you hear me don't get caught up in all of that stuff because when you do you will become petty you will become shallow you will become faithless and jealous and hard-hearted and lazy and unwilling to move but rather be somebody that is truly living for Jesus that refuses to participate in the debate, whose attitude is the complete opposite, who delights in the Lord, and who's willing to step out in faith and go where he wants, do what he wants, change what he wants, preach to whomever and wherever he wants, giving him what he wants in order to see his name glorified, the gospel of Jesus preached, and the lost saved, and the saved discipled into a complete Maturity in Christ. See, the true believers like the Apostle Peter, who in Matthew chapter 14, without hesitation, the Bible says he steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water with Jesus. I want you to think about that. Without hesitation, he steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water with Jesus. He relinquished control and he believed that Jesus would keep him afloat. But even Peter faltered. See, when the wind started blowing and the waves started crashing, he took his eyes off Jesus. And for a moment, he lost that faith because his eyes were off Jesus. And he doubted. And when he doubted, he began to sink. See, having faith is about keeping eyes on Jesus. Jesus. And believing that no matter what happens in the world and no matter how hard the winds blow and how much damage the waves might do, we will still survive because Jesus is in complete control. We'll make it because God is our one and only true Father who's protecting us. See, all believers potentially hurt themselves because they don't take a chance to step out in faith and do something that's totally out of their control. If a church will only do things uh, that they control, if a church will only uh, do everything that they can control that's within their own control, then they'll, they won't be successful, first of all, uh, because they're not trusting in God. If they only do what they think will make them successful and what they can afford to do uh, and everything they can control, then that church will die a slow death. It'll be a church that won't see people saved. It'll be a church where the Holy Spirit will not dwell. A church, and by church I mean the people within that church, without faith is no church at all. It's just a group of people who meet together once a week to half-heartedly worship a God that they somewhat believe in. Boy, that hurts. But that's not what God wants from His people. If you read the Scriptures for any length of time, you'll not find men and women who just went through the motions and fell into a routine and stuck with the status quo because they were afraid to rock the boat. The Word of God is full of revolutionaries who absolutely turned the religious world upside down and many times did the absolute unthinkable. In Genesis chapter 6, we see a revolutionary by the name of Noah. Noah was a man who God considered the only righteous man on earth at the time. Can you imagine? The only righteous man on earth at the time. And God gives Noah the task to build a boat that would take over a hundred years to build and put two of every kind of animal on it because the earth was about to be flooded and everything that was not on the ark would be destroyed. Can you imagine the ridicule that Noah went through because people thought he was out of his mind? Because not only had it not flooded, it had never rained before. Or how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to worship the king and were willing to be thrown into the furnace? They had complete faith that God would ensure their survival. They were tossed into the furnace Not only did they not burn up, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Or how about Abraham, who because of his obedience and faith in God was willing to sacrifice his own son because God told him to. The prophet Elijah, by faith, he took on the entire priesthood of Baal on Mount Carmel. What about John the Baptist, who wore animal skins and he ate locusts. And by faith, the Bible says he preached a message of repentance because Jesus was coming soon. In our text this morning, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. God had already told him that. But Abraham reasoned that if Isaac did die, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead because it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Then he saw that God had given him an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. And it was by faith that Moses grew up. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter he refused to share the oppression or he chose to share, I'm sorry the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, the Bible said, which is for a season. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He wasn't afraid of the king, that took faith. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He was assured of what he could not see. He kept his eyes on Christ and even when the wind blew and the waves crashed. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts like we've been talking about so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel walked right through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow them catch this, they walked right through, but when the Egyptians tried to follow them, they were all drowned. I want to tell you something does that mean God didn't love the Egyptians? No, I'll tell you what it means the Lord, I may preach a new message on uh, on this, I just got something totally new revealed to me in that passage of scripture this, this weekend, Friday and Saturday you know what, everybody's path is not for you Hello. Just because God ordains a path for some people, that does not mean that path is for you. It didn't mean that God didn't love the Egyptians. It meant that He was punishing them for their disobedience. Had they not went down that path after the Israelites, they'd still have been alive after it was all over. You don't have to go chasing just because God has made a way for somebody else and set and established a path for somebody else. That doesn't mean that you go tracing along following on the tail of somebody else's blessing what that means is you learn to pray you learn to read you learn to get a hold of God for yourself right now in the middle of this pandemic I believe that's why God has allowed this to happen the way that he has because some of you need to learn how to get in your prayer closet and get a hold of God for yourself and God will establish your path It was by faith that the people of Israel walked right through the middle of the sea. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they all drowned. It was by faith that the people marched around Jericho for seven days. And the walls came crashing down. I want to ask you, what if they'd given up after six? Yes, you've done some marching. Yes, you might have done some praying. But don't give up yet. You're not on your seventh time around. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given, she gave a friendly welcome to the spies, the Bible said. And then he went on to say, how much more do I need to say? It'd take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Listen to what he said. By faith, these people Overthrew kingdoms. By faith, they ruled with justice. By faith, they received what God had promised them. By faith, they shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Our problem sometimes is we don't like to admit we've got weakness. They became strong in battle and put entire armies to flight. The Bible said women receive their loved ones back from death. Does this sound like a typical, boring, routine Christianity to you? What I'm talking about this morning is exactly the kind of faith God's people are very much missing today. It's not boring. It's not mundane. It's not typical. It's not routine. We need to be willing to step out in faith. Can I be honest with you and tell you something that I even shared with Phyllis on Thursday on the phone? I struggled last Sunday morning, to say the least, because I recognized and realized that people watch this feed that may not understand what I was about to do in that service. They may not think that was necessary. They might have felt like I could just say, this scan is tomorrow, pray, and just move right on. But it was a strategic moment, I believe, of faith. I believe God confirmed that because what was going on at Phyllis and Ray's house, I had no idea what was going on at that time. They had no idea what was about to take place here. It was a faith moment. I believe the church needs to get back to not being afraid to step out in faith. Because the people in this world don't need to see boring, routine, mundane church services. What they need to see is a place where if you need to move, you can experience a move. What they need to see is a place where if you need somebody to get a hold of God with you, there's people here that will get a hold of God with you. What they need to experience is not just the typical worship service. They need to experience something that's life impacting, that hits right here in the soul and the heart and changes them forever because the power of God has been been, uh, held back. The power of God has been hindered because some way, somehow, we we can't draw the line between is this having faith or is this name it and claim it theology? Well, I'm not into name it and claim it theology, but I am into a God that I have faith in that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that we could even ask or even think up here according to the power of Him that is at work in us we need to be a church that moves by faith but others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection he went on to say some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips others were chained in prison some died by stoning and some were cut in two or sawed in half he said and others were killed with the sword some went about wearing skins of sheeps and goats, destitute of oppressed and, and being mistreated. He went on to say, here's what he was basically saying, they were too good for this world. Hmm. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, watch this, earned a good reputation because of their faith. By faith. And then it went on to say, yet none of them received everything that God had promised. Why? I love what it said at the end. For God had something better in mind for us. That's you and me. So that we, they could not reach perfection without us. Wow. These people had faith. They didn't just half-heartedly believe in God. They gave their very lives for Him. They completely relinquished control of everything they could, they could have controlled. And they were willing to be called crazy. They were willing to be called foolish. They were willing to be killed for what they believed. They didn't just hope God would move. They expected God to move. They expected God to fulfill His promises. They expected when they prayed for God to do miracles. We know they didn't do it perfectly. Think about it. These incredible men and women of faith, they also had hang-ups and they also sinned. I'm going to lose maybe 50% of my um, holiness police out there when I say this. Yeah? Yeah? That's what I just said. I said it. Holiness police. Noah got drunk. It's Bible. David had an affair. Mm -hmm. That's Bible. Moses murdered and disobeyed. Abraham slept with a servant. And all the apostles denied Jesus. None of them were perfect. But... They had faith in Jesus Christ. None of you, and certainly not me, are perfect. But we can still believe with everything in us that God will do the supernatural. That God will save people from their sins. And these people believed that God would do that, that He would provide a perfect lamb for them. And today, because of Christ's death on the cross... We can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If they'll come to the music this afternoon. Thanks be to God, our sins can be completely forgiven. The miracle on the cross, the miracle of the resurrection, which we've just been talking about, and the promise of Christ returning is what gives us the faith and the drive to never allow ourselves to settle for mediocrity. Our faith in the Father drives us to believe in the impossible, to believe that God still moves today, to believe that Jesus is coming back, and to believe that if we have faith, we can still speak to this mountain and expect it to move. We can still believe that all things are possible through Christ who gives us strength. And listen to me, I'm going to wrap this up today. Many of you that are watching some of you part of this church, some of you not. You've seen some wonderful times. Many of you have seen some very dark times as well. Some of you have seen pastors come and go. You've seen ugly disputes among people who were supposed to be Christians. You've lost sleep over how the bills were supposed to be paid because the money just wasn't there. You've lost sleep over sick loved ones lost loved ones yet through all of that you've still seen the lost saved you've still seen them baptized you've still seen God literally heal the sick and just this week we've seen that he is still a God of miracles, hallelujah God help us to be like the men and women of Hebrews who had incredible faith Faith to believe that the power of Christ is greater than any man-made problem. Faith to believe that even today, 2,000 years after the last words of revelation were written, that God still moves. God still saves. He still performs miracles. He still provides. He still disciplines. I believe that that's what some of this is all about right now. And He still calls men and women to go to preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His command is still crystal clear that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are still today to believe that God moves. We should never be a people who have the attitude that we hope God moves, but we should expect God to move. We should... Look for every opportunity to step out in faith. And don't give God the what ifs, but just trust Him. We need to be a people who look at the seemingly impossible and crazy in the eye and say, all right, God, how are you going to do this? God is looking for men and women of faith who will quit focusing on why something can't be done and actually believe that nothing is impossible with God. Now, I'm going to close with this. I believe that God still wants to move in this church. I believe He's by no means finished yet. Do you believe that? I'm asking you. In this city, believe it or not, there are literally thousands of people who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to change that at any cost. I believe that by faith, we're going to minister to literally hundreds, maybe even over a thousand On another campus to people who do not know Jesus Christ. God has provided us another building because, trust me, they're coming. We need to reach them no matter the cost. There are many hungry, hurting, and homeless people in our community that we need to reach out to them no matter the cost and we need to refocus on why the church exists. It exists to reach the lost and to disciple the saved into a mature relationship with Jesus Christ. It exists to help the hurting and the hopeless. The church does not exist or it should not to entertain. It doesn't exist to please us. Hmm. It's not about us. It's not about hymns versus contemporary. Hello. Hello. It's not about what the pastor wears on Sundays. It's not about worrying about money and budgets. It's not about trying to keep up with another church or the latest fad. It's about seeing the lost saved and the saved discipled. And listen to me, for almost seven years now, as the lead pastor of this church, we've seen God do some great things. People have been saved, baptized, healed, and filled. This campus here has been improved and it's been expanded. Local and global missions have been funded. And this church has grown in every way imaginable, even in the midst of difficulty. We've seen some amazing new families make this their home church. Some of them are watching today that just finished session four of Connect by Zoom conference this morning. We've seen addicts delivered, marriages restored, backsliders renewed, and believers baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I really believe we've not even scratched the surface to what God wants to do i believe we are right where god wants us to be to really see him move and by faith i believe god is getting ready to move in and through this church like never before this church's best years are ahead of us and absolutely not behind us but we must do it together listen to me church we must dream together we must step out in faith Together, we must relinquish control and we must have faith that God can still do what our limited and finite minds see as impossible. If you take anything with you today, here's what I want you to take by faith. By faith. I believe it. Do you believe it? It's time to step out of your comfort zone, step out of what you've always known. It's time to be a part of something bigger than yourself. It's about giving God time, but it's also about being on our knees in prayer. I hope you watched the prayer and worship service Wednesday night. It was wonderful. It's about not just saying we expect God to move, but our actions prove that we expect God to move. It's the last thing I'm going to say today, and we're going to pray. This may be our seventh Sunday, and I want the devil to hear me say this. This may be our seventh Sunday without church people in the building. But God is not done with this church. He's not done with this city. On the contrary, God is only just beginning. And by faith, it shall be done. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you right now. When they sing, just simply, A, admit to Him you're a sinner in need of a Savior. B, believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He lived on this earth. He gave His life on the cross. He was buried and He rose again for the forgiveness of your sins. And then ask Him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, be the Lord of your life. And C, confess Him as your Lord. If not, and you're already saved, I want you to pray right now that God would increase your faith today. As they sing, I'm going to find a place to pray. You and your family.